0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will be opening up our COVID archive and listening to some conversations that we had during the COVID spring of 2020. These interviews were all done as part of the Salt and Light media TV series Hope from Home that was produced during the coronavirus crisis with the hopes that these conversations will inspire you to stay positive and remind you that even though we may be stuck at home, we're all still connected through hope. That's also our hope with sharing them on the Saltonite Hour. Today we will hear from a Carmelite sister, Mother Celeste, who had a few things to say about self-isolation. We also will hear what adjustments a rabbi had to make for his congregation. And a program coordinator for seniors tells us how to help care for the seniors in our lives during these times. In our second half hour, we speak with a midwife and an infection control professional and a priest will tell us his experience having had the coronavirus. That's all coming up, so a jam-packed show today. Remember to visit us at SultanLightTV.org and to comment on what you hear to ask any questions, look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We begin now with a word on self-isolation from Carmelite Mother Celeste. Mother Celeste, it's so good to have you here with us. You are the Prioress at the Carmel of St. Joseph in St. Agatha, Ontario. So you're a Carmelite. It's so good to have you here with us. Um, Yes. Maybe some of our our viewers are not uh, familiar with that Carmelite lifestyle, but you live in a cloister. Can you explain to us what that means?
1: Okay, so we felt we had a vocation, a call, to really give our life to God by encountering Him in the interior of our souls and so we desire to have a space where we would eliminate some unnecessary intrusions so that we could concentrate on giving ourselves to God by this uh, contemplative life of prayer. Now we don't have an active apostolate. But our apostolate is actually that of prayer, prayer for the church and with the church for mankind.
0: So, so Oh, yeah. Sorry, yes. to, sorry to interrupt. So, essentially, you're setting yourselves apart from the world so that you can, so you have less distractions. Is that the
1: idea? That's right. So, we set ourselves apart not because we want to be apart. But in order to give ourselves to this life of prayer, we need a certain amount of faith to, to meet our Lord, and to grow in this life of prayer, to have this encounter with Him on a daily basis, to try to become more attentive to His presence. Now God is always present to us, but we're not always present to Him. Right. So the Church allows this vocation because it does bring about many fruits of prayer as well, mm-hmm. for the Church. Like, our life is not for us. We're not separated just because of us, but it's for the Church, mm-hmm. for mankind.
0: Do you think that this is, I mean, I think the Church would teach that this is something that every Christian should be doing, maybe not all the time, but in, in time, at moments in our lives? Is that maybe what Lent is exactly
1: exactly exactly we're all called to this union with god that's what heaven's going to be our union with god the that we're made for god so saint augustine said you have made us for yourself O oh lord and our hearts are restless until they rest in you mm-hmm. so but it's not easy with our the difficulty of daily living to be always so attentive to god so god in his mercy draws a few just like God sometimes picks up a lamb, and that way the mother sheep follows the lamb, and so He picks us up and puts us here, showing the world that it is possible—not easy, but it is possible—to live this life.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah. Do you think? And I'm sure you—I'm sure you get this question asked a lot. But did you think, as you started your your vocation or you started your life as a Carmelite, uh, so many years ago? that you would miss anything from, if I can say, from the outside?
1: Actually, at that point, no. Mm. Um, the, the drawing is pretty strong, but obviously as the person continues with the life, the person may want to begin to question oneself, particularly when things become a little harder. So, First of all, when God draws, He draws us because He has to wean us away from other likes and dislikes. Mm-hmm. In order to, like in, in Ezekiel, in, in Hosea, he draws us into the desert in order to speak to our heart. And mm-hmm. I have a feeling that this is what's happening today. You know, none of us wants to have this virus, but St. Paul says that to those who love God, all things work unto good. So somehow this is willed by God, allowed by God, put it that way. God doesn't will evil, but He does allow not to bring good. So somehow it's bringing people into the desert, mm-hmm. so He can speak to their heart. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I so, think that uh, I think that you're right. I think that that's, if if anything, <laughs> the the main thing that people are finding that we're being forced upon. The desert is being forced upon us. It, is yes being it is being forced upon yeah. us, um, and some it, people are and maybe but some people maybe as you say are struggling with that so so you that who live this type of life this cloistered life every day what what advice do you have for the rest of us that uh, are not used to it?
1: okay so uh, St. Teresa of Avila our founder has always said to us to make a uh, a virtue of necessity Mm -hmm. so right now it's a necessity to live this isolated life particularly if one has actually encountered somebody with um, COVID-19 now with our life um it is structured so that we can continue uh, on a daily basis without meandering off too far from you know mm-hmm. the purpose of our life so having a structure so uh, we have there's the mass there's we have the divine office we have times for for work we have meals together we have times when we talk together with each other like we call them recreation times Mm -hmm. So the whole life is structured to um, deepen one's friendship with Christ and also friendship with each other. And you know, sometimes I know family life can be difficult just as any community living can be difficult at times. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But it reaps so many benefits if we can do what we can to keep nurturing it. Mm -hmm. And so like... In the families today, I know it's difficult, there's stress of living so close together, particularly when the apartment may be small, no, no job, perhaps wondering where the right. next meal is going to come from, what to do? Well, if they, if they could put a little structure in their life, mm-hmm. if you could put some time to pray together, mm-hmm. um, time to talk to each other, doing little things that will help build up the family unit, Mm-hmm. Um, it truly is true that when there's a family at peace, that family is a um, foundation stone for society. Right. And we need those foundation stones. Yeah. We need each other to grow.
0: Yeah. And I guess one of the good things is that people are still able to be connected because there might be someone who maybe lives by themselves and they're being forced, they, they don't have anybody else with them. Um, but you would say that the structure is still important. Um, the, structure, you,
1: the structure is important. Yes.
0: Yeah. Can you maybe give us some uh, advice on how to reflect on this desert time? As a, I mean, it is Lent, and we're just about to go into Holy Week.
2: Yeah. Um, yes. so,
0: uh, uh, what What does the church teach about the importance of these moments of 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 quiet, self isolation, d- less distractions, desert? Yeah,
1: Yes. Well. I think that having, making for yourself a little plan of life, Mm -hmm. a little bit of structure. Um, If you have a chance to uh, follow the Mass on TV, have a little bit of time for your prayer, do Mm -hmm. some good reading, Um, reach out to others where you can, a telephone call. Um, It's important to keep connected somehow. Um, Have a little structure in your life so you have time for your rest, time for your meals, time for your for your work when you have that
3: mm-hmm.
1: you feel like you're you're connected better as it were because we seem to need some sort of pattern in our life and um, well while, while it's not always possible perhaps to follow always a um, structure, it does help because we don't have to worry then what's going to happen next the next hour right. the next hour at the meal or time for prayer, but it's a time to be um, well. It's a time to face the reality that God is calling me to listen to Him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's that's probably the most important thing, <laughs> right. uh, Mother. You, your, your, vocation is prayer, as you said at the beginning. You, this is what what you you do. You're you're, you're separated from the world, but in a way you're mo- more connected than most of us um, in <laughs> prayer. Can what can you leave us with a prayer? What is your prayer for for people today going through this crisis?
1: So we're praying for everyone. We're praying for the the healthcare workers. We're praying for the priests and religious. We're praying for the families. We're praying for those that are sick. We're praying for, the, for those that are suffering especially loss. Um, we're praying for even the businesses that are, are losing but I'm sure they'll come back very well eventually. But I think our main prayer is Asking the good Lord to look down upon us and give us ears that will listen Mm -hmm. and a heart that will understand that he does love us. There's nothing that happens that God isn't aware of and allows for our good. Mm -hmm. And when we have that trust, it's not so frightening. When we have this faith in God, we have a confidence then too that he's going to take care of us. He is the Good Shepherd, He is the Divine Lover, and He's our very best friend. And He's our Father. Mm -hmm. He loves us.
0: Amen, Mother Celeste. Thank you so much for that prayer, and it's so comforting to know that all over the world there are people like you, sisters like you, that are praying for all of us. Um, And thank you for your advice and for your prayers today, Mother Celeste Um, Mm Prioress, you're the Prioress at the Carmel of St. Joseph. And you joined us from your home at the Carmel at St. Joseph today. Yes, Thank you so much.
1: Yes. You're welcome. God bless you. God bless you. Thank, you. Thank
0: you. That was a conversation I had during Holy Week with Mother Celeste, Prioress of the Carmel of St. Joseph in St. Agatha, Ontario. I spoke with her on the Salt and Light TV series Hope from Home. Coming up, caring for seniors in our families. But first, we know how the crisis has affected all of us with the closure of churches, but how is it affecting other religious groups? Rabbi Aaron Flansreich tells us his experience. Rabbi Aaron Flansreich, it's so good to uh, to be able to see you and to have you with us today.
4: Uh, the same here, Pedro. It's wonderful to see you.
0: So you you were one of the people that were actually quarantined for 14 days because you flew back. You had to come back from Israel first. How was that experience?
4: Um, it was uh, trying because, um, it was almost like playing whack-a-mole. Uh, Uh we kept, we were chasing flights that were being canceled, um, within hours of us booking them. So, um, as I shared with my congregation, the reason why I returned was not because it wasn't safe in Israel; it was mm-hmm. in fact very safe in Israel. Uh, the medical system there is excellent. Uh, the concern was is that with the rapid disappearance of flight schedules, right, um, that I might not be able to get back in time before my health insurance would lapse. Uh huh. And then, and then, but you finally
0: did make it here, and yes, you. I mean i don't know a lot of us feel that we're quarantined but we really aren't i can go out but you could not even leave the apartment we could not go
4: out so no. uh getting groceries was a challenge i will say that when we walked onto the plane uh leaving tel aviv to coming to toronto it was the cleanest nicest smelling plane <laughs> i have ever seen or smelled in my life right but it was That's... impeccably clean pedro yeah now, how
0: difficult, I'm sure that you um, have been going through the same struggles that every other religious congregation uh, is going through in terms of those public gatherings. How, how
4: quickly did you have to decide whether you had to close down the synagogue? Um, in, in my mind, uh, once there was, um, it was apparent that this was a serious uh, threat. Um, in early March already. Uh, By March the 10th, the synagogue had closed down all of its public activities, including services. Uh And um, the reason why we did that, Pedro, is because um, in uh, Judaism, as as I am sure you know, that the preservation of human life is before all other concerns. Yes. And uh, as the rabbis famously say, violate one Sabbath in order to observe many more in the future. Yeah, and so we closed down all of our public events um, because I was absolutely committed that in no way, shape, or form would an attendance at a ritual event in our congregation or a social one uh, be contributing to anyone taking ill.
0: Yeah, you might be violating a Sabbath, but in a way, you're being a Sabbath has been imposed on everybody. Yeah, uh, how important is it for people to actually, you know? Uh, go to synagogue um, and, or how difficult it has been for your congregation to not have that?
4: Uh, it's a very interesting question. There are, I think, two elements to that answer. On one hand, uh, the synagogue is not an important, um, it's not a critical part of Jewish life. Mm. Most of Jewish life centers around the home and around the family observances that we maintain in our home. It's right. for that reason why the ancient rabbis uh, and even the medieval rabbis uh, didn't want people to get married in synagogues. Um, they got married outside of their parents' homes or certainly under the stars. as was a longstanding tradition. Mm-hmm. But today, today is different. And um, today synagogues represent the power of community. Wherein um even a century ago people never really left the villages where they grew up in. Today we know it's very, very different. And synagogues like churches and mosques are magnets, centers of gravity that enable people to retain and strengthen their religious identities in ways they didn't need a century ago.
0: Right. So and you've, you've had you've been forced to move that online like everybody else. Were you already uh doing
4: some online work or having your sermons posted online? very limited pedro um we had a system where my sermons were recorded and then they were put on uh, podcast Mm -hmm. but that was the extent of it uh we ramped up very very quickly within two weeks of closing down uh we had a live stream service running it's now our weekday services are on zoom excuse me Uh and our sabbath services are live streamed on youtube and our youtube channel and um, we're anticipating that this is just the beginning Pedro that Mm -hmm. in the absence of effective therapies or vaccines um, that we're going to have to reach deeper into uh, delivering content to use a business term uh, right congregation and that is in form of uh, classes services think of the Jewish high holidays yeah Um, how can that take place in synagogues it's actually unimaginable but it has to be imagined
0: yeah well and I was gonna ask you about that about the high holidays because uh, Passover uh, like all your holidays are is is a big family event a lot of people come together that obviously was not not possible how was Passover for you this year
4: it was strange (laughs) (laughs) Um, we had a very small table traditionally Pedro we have 20 30 50 people um, at our Passover table, family, friends, guests, strangers, and we had five people. Right. Uh, what we did do this year was we set up our Seder table on the first night, because there were two nights of the Seder. On the first night, we uh, set up a Zoom uh, program where we had uh, invited the entire congregation to join me uh, via Zoom on, uh, on, for the Seder. And we had a very special guest, uh, Mayor John Tory, uh, oh, wow. dropped in and uh, spent about a half hour with us. He even came with his own seder plate, which was very uh, very impressive. Wow. Uh, so the response was uh, profoundly affirming uh, mm-hmm. in the absence of people physically being there. Yeah um, in the little time that we have left, Aaron, maybe uh, would you leave us with uh, your prayer of hope for our viewers? Of course. Um, a famous medieval rabbi, his name was Nachman of Breslov from the town of Breslov. He once said that of all the commandments that people are held to in life, that these two are the most important. One, never give up. And two, always be joyful. Mm-hmm. And so even in dark moments, we know that this shall pass and that the better, the good awaits us. And I pray it should come soon.
0: Amen. Thank you, Rabbi Aaron Flansreich. Always good to hear your words I'm of wisdom good to and see duration. you. It's good to be with you today and, and thank you.
4: Thank you, Take my safe. friend. God bless you. You too. Bye-bye.
0: That was a conversation I had with Rabbi Aaron Flansreich, Senior Rabbi at Beth Shalom Synagogue in Toronto. You can watch his interview and so many others at saltandlighttv.org slash hope from home. In our second half hour, we will speak with a midwife and an infection control professional. But first, Carrie Papillon tells us how to care for the seniors in our families. Carrie Papillon, is so good to have you in the program with us today. Welcome.
5: It's nice to see you, thank you.
0: So you're, you're an adult program coordinator. You work for the town of Aurora, which is just Oops. north of Toronto in Ontario. What do you normally do? What is your job?
5: So my colleague and I are responsible for all Recreation programming for everyone over the age of 18 in Aurora. However, our main responsibility is management of the Aurora senior center. That's a recreation facility. So they don't sleep there. They go home
2: mm-hmm. and we
5: have over 1600 members. Wow. We offer 200 activities a week and we get between 250 and 300 visits a day at the center.
0: And so so seniors older uh, over 65, I presume.
5: Actually, we say 55.
0: Okay, okay. So I could I could go soon in a couple of years. I can start going. Um, uh, do you organize programs? What kinds of programs do you have for this for the for the clients?
5: So we our main activities are fitness related. They really like to keep fit and be strong and keep moving. We have sports like badminton and table tennis and pickleball, and we have a full range of computer activities. And then the typical things you'd expect, like cards and bingo and anything to keep people socialized and fit.
0: Right. So obviously the center now is is closed. So how, how have you adjusted? Uh, what kinds of services are you providing now?
5: So we closed on March 13th. And since then, we were really lucky in March of 2019, we started a program called Seniors Center Without Walls. And it's a telephone program where we conduct teleconference calls with seniors. We play games, we do different activities. And before this, we were only doing two to three calls a week. Since then, we've expanded our programming where we're doing two to three calls a day. So on a typical call, we could get anywhere between 20 and 50 participants all at the same time.
0: Okay, so you have scheduled calls, how does that work?
5: Well, we call them. So we offer a call each morning and we call, we offer a call each afternoon. And we either offer something to keep people moving. So a stretch class that we have a very talented instructor who tells them what to do, you know, raise your arm out to the side and turn your head. And she's really quite good at it. I don't think I could quite manage as well. And then the other aspect is we really want people to have fun right now. We want laughter and we wanna have games and keep them cognitively stimulated. So lots of silly games, but lots of quizzes and interaction as well.
0: So just to clarify, so it's a phone call, it's not a video call, correct? Correct,
5: correct. And what... Not everyone has internet access, but everyone has a phone. So that's yeah. why it's so important to us that we keep this as low tech as possible.
0: And what, what has the response been? You said you have sometimes have 20 or so participants on, on the same call?
5: Yes, so it's been a challenge. So, over the past year, so between March of 2019 and March of 2020, um, a really big call for us would be about 15 people on a call. And over the course of the first year, we spoke to about 900 people over the phone. Wow. We met that number in the first three weeks we were closed. So, It's been really phenomenal. Now, some people are on with us twice a day, every day. Some people are only on with us once or twice a week, and that's okay. We just want to stay connected and let people know that there's people out there who want to talk to them.
0: Right. Um, Carrie, some of our, our viewers probably are caring for a senior at home or an older adult, or maybe they have an older adult in their family. They're not able to see them. What do you, how important is it that we stay connected with them? What do you, what advice do you have for our viewers?
5: I was really lucky. I just attended a webinar from the International Council on Activity and Ages. And they said seniors need to focus on three things right now. One, they need to keep moving. Mm -hmm. We're all living in smaller, closer, confined areas right now, and we're not moving very much. So it's important that you build movement into your day all the time. Shrug your shoulders, bend your neck, just keep everything moving. Even just circle your wrists while you're sitting, circle your ankles, keep things loose and limber. So that's one thing to really get the older adults in your lives moving. Have them pace the hallways, keep moving. The other thing is to stay connected. Social isolation, which we're all trying to be physically distant, but isolation itself is one of the biggest risk factors for seniors to experience depression Mm -hmm. and a fall. The more isolated a senior is the more likely they are to have a catastrophic fall in their life and we all want to stay out of the emergency room right now so stay connected talk to people and call them the third thing that's really important for older adults right now is to have a purpose and what we keep telling people is your purpose is to stay safe and it's mm-hmm. to stay healthy make mm-hmm. that your purpose every day eat well keep moving and stay connected in fact, i like to even give our members homework and challenge them to call someone that they haven't heard from in a while, Right. reach out, do your homework, stay connected and just build that sense amongst yourselves that you've got that caring community who's going to reach out to you. Yeah. A bunch of them have rediscovered a love for crafts and we have so many people who are making masks for some of our local long-term care homes, not for the PSWs and the nurses there, but for the actual residents themselves, so mm-hmm. they're finding a new love of things to do that they haven't done in a long time. Yeah,
0: wonderful. Now I know you don't work for a for a faith-based organization. You work for for a municipality. I but do. Faith is probably. I know faith is important in your life. It uh, is. Are you finding that there are some elements of faith that that the seniors or the, your adults are are looking for or or longing for?
5: Um, you know. Even my colleague and I, when we look back at how we started Senior Center Without Walls a year ago, we we see God's hand through this whole process and it's it's really been remarkable. And we keep telling people what a blessing this has been for us. You know, so many places right now are struggling to get things off the ground and we're established, we're lucky. Even Mm -hmm. the grant that we received to get this off the ground gave us the technology and the equipment to continue our work from home. And we've reached out to people that we never ever would have reached out to before. A lot of them are finding solace in prayer right now. They know I'm Catholic. They know my faith is important to me, and um, I'm always—they're—they're they're always listening to me talk about that as much as we're allowed to, anyway. And I can hear it in their voices. It's—it's it's really giving them something to believe in right now. They're reaching out, and they're—they're they're finding the solace in their faith, those of them that have it. And you know, those that don't, I think they're they're really starting to believe in something bigger right now, which gives me a lot of hope as well.
1: Yeah, well
0: good. And I think you've given us a little bit of hope too today. I'm so glad that you're able to continue doing what you're doing. And thank you. thank you for the advice that you've given us so that we can also care for the seniors in our lives. Thank you, Carrie, for being with us today. God bless. That was a conversation I had with Carrie Papillon. Who's an adult program coordinator for the town of Aurora, just north of Toronto? You're listening to a special edition of the Salton Light Hour, featuring conversations from the COVID spring. These interviews all aired as part of the Salton Light TV series "Hope from Home." You can watch that series at saltonlighttv.org/slash/hopefromhome. Remember that you can listen to the Salton Light Hour at saltonlighttv.org, and you can also get the program as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up in our second half hour, a midwife and an infection control professional tell us how their work has changed during the crisis, and we speak with a priest who was sick with the coronavirus. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, part two. I'm Deacon Pedro. During the COVID spring, Salt and Light Media produced a show called Hope from Home to help people stuck at home stay connected through hope. All those interviews can be watched at saltandlighttv.org slash hope from home. One of the people I spoke with was Christine Messick. She is a midwife in Austin, Texas. Christine, it's so good to have you in the program with us today. It's so good to see you after so many years.
6: Yes, so nice to see you too. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes. Um you're you're a certified midwife. You work in the largest birthing center in North America, correct?
6: The, the largest freestanding birth center in okay, North America.
0: Yeah, tell us a little bit about what you do. What's a normal day for you at the office?
6: sure so i am a staff midwife at the austin area birthing center we have two locations Um, and this is primarily for women who um, are seeking an out-of-hospital birth and they have to meet a a number of parameters they have to be low risk and we're constantly doing risk risk assessment to make sure that this is the right place for them to meet their their babies when when it's time for labor Um, we have a pretty low transport rates. you know, I think it's less than 17% in labor would transport to the hospital, usually okay. non-emergent, um, but uh, we are a staff of about 12 midwives um, across the two centers. We have a couple of lactation consultants and medical assistants, so we do the primary care um, for pregnant women. So anyone who's okay. expecting a baby, you know, sometimes you might see an obstetrician, sometimes you might see a midwife.
0: Okay. So. Yeah, we had an obstetrician on the show a a few episodes ago, and obviously she was talking about hospital. Um, You'd think that in this, with the current crisis, it would be perfect for for women to be giving birth at home. Do you also help with with home births?
6: So we don't. uh, We're kind of an in the middle. There are a number of, you know, in in most places you can find home birth midwives as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're kind of that interim in between. Um, We have seen a lot of late transfers coming into care for women who would like to avoid a hospital birth during the, the current conditions okay
0: tell me a little bit more about that are, are there other adjustments or other uh, uh, i guess changes that you've seen in the last month because of oh, the
6: crisis i you know over the last two months it's almost been a daily change actually you know as things started out we were like so how are we navigating this um you know initially starting with the Wearing masks, we're screening um, screening our patients when they come in, checking their temp, asking uh, probing questions. We um, have avoided using the waiting room now. Women are just roomed immediately and brought in to see. The midwife comes in directly after they've um, had a, a normal temperature and, and have passed the screening mm-hmm. tests. Um We're doing a lot of telehealth. So we're primarily yeah. seeing women in clinic for their first prenatal visits um, when they need to do their glucose testing around 28 weeks. We do a quick little um we call it a flash sonogram to make sure babies head down around 34 weeks okay. and then that last month of pregnancy when it is important to to be seeing people um more frequently otherwise we're doing all of our visits uh, remotely
0: okay so virtually um yeah um, uh, if someone i mean there, someone might be pregnant right now watching this and maybe she's concerned a little worried what do some what does a pregnant woman right now need to know about giving birth during this time.
6: Well, you know, there's still a lot of questions, but primarily we've been seeing that uh, women seem to be doing well with pregnancy. There are, are is a, a high percentage of pregnant women who are testing positive, but are asymptomatic. So that's good news, and the fact that you know, even if they have it, they're not you know expressing it in the same way that we're seeing in some of the vulnerable populations with the breathing difficulties and things like that okay sorry to um,
0: interrupt you mean that yeah. they're testing positive for the virus
6: yes and is i've heard i've heard a range from 29 to 49 okay. percent are asymptomatic that test okay. positive
0: is there any danger that they might transmit the, or you know uh, pass on the disease to, to the, the baby feed?
6: um at the moment they're suggesting that there is no vertical transmission okay. um that you know, the, the risk would come after. Um, so once baby is born, there might be a possibility okay. for that. So a number of the hospitals are separating mums and newborns in a mum that's positive.
0: Okay. Yeah. Now, um, Christine, you, you work, you don't work for a faith-based organization, but you are, I um, faith think important for you. I know that, um, Absolutely. how do you kind of, how does that influence what you do? How's your faith influence what you do?
6: Well, um, When i get that call so we we, our calls are usually a 24-hour call so if i get a call from a mom in labor when i get in the car and start driving my first go-to is a rosary for that family for that baby regardless of what faith background they they might be and that you know they recognize the The inherent value in this beautiful gift of life that they've been given, and that either the parents will bring faith to their child or the child will bring faith to their parents at some point, and God will be, Mm -hmm. you know, glorified in all of this. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, when I have that opportunity, and and you see maybe a mom is wearing a cross or maybe they're playing some Christian music, um, that's an opportunity to kind of open up some conversation and share what I think is really important. Um, You know, I always tell women that I think labor and birth is the closest we can come as women to understanding Christ's passion and death on the cross. You know, he has such dignity for us. I mean, God could, with a proverbial snap of his fingers, create an entire a uh, population of people yet yeah. he he has the dignity to allow us to participate in this process mm-hmm. and labor and birth is our opportunity to walk calvary with jesus he still gives us these blessed breaks in between the contractions he he respects our human frailty and knows that we 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 can't quite do what he did but he calls us to part of that um mm-hmm. when we can i think for women who who are of a faith background already you can offer your labor for something, for somebody. I always tell people, you know, when they're preparing, start a list, seek out prayer intentions. What do you want to pray for? Offer each contraction. When it comes, you can have your your husband say, okay, here's here's what we're praying for in this contraction. You know, eventually you get to a point where you can't do that. It's just for whatever the contractions are for whatever the, the prayer intentions might be. Wow. But, you know, the end result of the cross is new life. And we have that opportunity to share in that, in this gift of giving birth. So mm-hmm. there is there the hardest things in life are the most worthwhile. So I always tell people, you know, that this might be the hardest thing you'll ever do, but I promise you it's the most worthwhile thing. You know, when God um, was, was condemning Adam and Eve after the fall, he didn't, he didn't condemn them and say you're going to have to work and it's going to hurt to have a baby because he was just ticked off. You know, he's teaching the value of redemptive suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, St. Paul tells us, that I make up for that which is lacking in the suffering of Christ. If we sit and think about that for a minute, what could possibly be lacking in the suffering of Christ? True. Well, my willingness to. You know, he's on the cross, not so I don't have to be, but showing me what I'm supposed to do. I can offer this up for something for someone else, and it can be yeah. quite a beautiful thing. You know, an interesting side Side note, typically yes. speaking, I know this is kind of being a little bit uh, of a generalization, but you know, if you need the piano moved, ladies, you're probably going to ask your husband, hey, can you can you get on this? I need the furniture moved. If we've got a friend who's having a difficult time, we're the ones that are probably going to go and console them. Labor mm-hmm. takes that and reverses those two roles. We suddenly have the woman taking on the physical role, and we have the men taking on the emotional role, and both are equally challenging for them and so guys you can offer that up as well and it's also a place of growth in in our our parenting we need both of those sides we have to relate to both guys you always want to fix everything you have to just stand by and kind of watch it and maybe marvel at the strength that your wife has while she's uh giving birth to your child it's such a beautiful beautiful time
0: it is a beautiful time and and a and a powerful time if i if i remember if i remember the ones we went through um, yeah. Chris, uh, what you say is so profound, um, suffering for love is really what makes it redemptive, so so I think that you've certainly given me Absolutely. a whole new appreciation for uh, for this gift of being co-creators with God. Um, and thank you for what you're doing and uh, oh, thanks. what you continue to do during this uh, crisis.
6: Thanks so much.
0: That was a conversation I had with Christine Messick, a staff midwife at the Austin Area Birthing Center. If you missed the beginning of the show or to listen to it again, remember that you can always listen to the Salt and Light Hour at SaltonLightTV.org or take it with you as a podcast off iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. At the end of the show, we're going to be speaking with a priest who had COVID-19. But first, we speak with Greg Bruce, an infection control professional for a paramedic service. Greg, thank you for joining us today. It's good to see you.
2: Good to see you, you're very welcome.
0: So you're, a, you're an infection control professional. How did you end up being, how did you end up graduating from paramedic to infection control professional?
2: Well, it was a pretty uh, direct re- um, response to my SARS experience in 2003. I was one of the paramedics in Toronto that had SARS and I learned about infection control to regain control of my environment, basically. And it's gone from there.
0: Maybe just quickly, because um, so, I don't know anybody who got SARS, how bad was it?
2: Uh, I was pretty sick, and I was sick enough to be in the intensive care unit and worried about my survival, for sure. Wow.
0: So that made you want to learn more about infections in general?
2: Yeah, like through, there was a lot of things that weren't available to uh, me as a paramedic during SARS, a lot of knowledge gaps that could have, uh prevented the SARS experience for me and prevented me from getting SARS Uh, and I knew there was a way to close those gaps and and that's where infection control came in
0: right now you were a paramedic at the time you're still a paramedic but you and you work for the um County of Simcoe paramedic services as an infection control professional what under normal circumstances what what does your
2: job entail under normal circumstances, it entails policy, education, uh, day the day to day routine. Because I'm also a, a frontline supervisor as part of my job, so I have some my platoon staff under me. But from the infection control side, it's 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 largely education and resource based, uh, making sure we have the right resources in place, PPE, and cleaning and disinfection supplies.
0: So personal, personal protection equipment, PPE, I think that's a, a little phrase that we're all getting familiar with. Yes. Um, again, under normal circumstances, why why do paramedics need to have an infection control professional?
2: Uh, at any given time, you could be going to respond to a call where somebody has an infectious disease. Uh, there's a lot of different things out there before we even talk about COVID from, from meningitis to uh, bloodborne disease to influenza. And you need to be, able, the paramedic needs to be safe. Okay.
0: How many how many paramedics do you have under your care?
2: There is about 350, give or take a few, with the wow. county.
0: Okay, so in the last two months, how, how has your job changed? <laughs>
2: I've been reassigned um, because my infection control expertise uh, is of great use during the COVID outbreak. So I'm reassigned to our... We're working with a great team at the County of Simcoe, uh, partnering with the health unit and all our partners to make sure that we're providing the proper guidance, keeping the paramedics safe on a day-to-day basis and keeping them confident in what they're doing mm-hmm. and the practices that that uh, that are that they're being asked to do.
0: Yeah, you'd think that a lot of the calls are COVID related, but I, I would assume that that's not the case, that probably you're still getting the same number of calls that you would normally get, is that
2: true? So. We are getting—we uh, do have seen a decrease in our call volume um, mm-hmm. by a, by a little bit. Um, and you know, there's sometimes a sense that people are nervous to, to engage the healthcare system with the problems that they're having. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are seeing a lot of people who fail COVID screening, so they may have some symptoms that are indicative of COVID, but they don't end up having COVID in the long run, though. Right. So. We definitely transported some patients with COVID, but the majority of our transports are non-COVID.
0: Right. Now, what is it important for people to know, or what? What do you? What would you like people to know about the job of first responders during this time uh, that would maybe make them feel more comfortable making that call or not making the call if they don't need to?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's um, important to understand that. Uh, although the paramedics are working under some more difficult conditions with the personal protective gear that they have to wear on an ongoing basis and, and the circumstances they're finding, that if you are having a medical emergency, um, that still you can call 911 and be confident that we've got practices in place that are going to keep you safe. where We've got practices in place to make sure that, that our ambulances are clean, disinfected, our, our paramedics have worn the proper PPE, they're performing hand hygiene, they're social isolating, they're taking all the precautions so that we can deliver uh, safe healthcare uh, to the residents of the County of Simcoe. So and we encourage you that if, if, if you're having a medical emergency, you're having chest pain, you can't breathe, you're having signs and symptoms of stroke, don't put it off, don't ignore it because you're afraid of the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. We will still come and care for you and you will be safe coming into the healthcare system. Yes. If you have signs and symptoms of COVID, use the online assessment tools, go to the assessment centers, call your doctor. Um, that's the best way to manage those things.
0: Right, and and of course you mentioned the county of Simcoe, but I would say that that applies to every region all across the country. Um, the paramedics are there, they're doing everything that they need to do to uh, keep their staff safe, but also to keep, keep you safe. Um, Greg, I can imagine that this is super stressful for you um especially at this time it's a stressful job what i mean you're a man of faith that's how i know you um what what keeps you going what gives you hope during this time
2: well it's 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 a little interesting i stumbled upon uh, the litany of trust uh, at the front of holy martyrs back when we still could go in for for adoration and and it's it's always been something that i i've kind of been it's been a personal uh, struggle for me, you know, I like to be in control of things, that's my job, right? <laughs> um, I, so I've been really turning over trust. I've been asking to that trust in the, the skill that I've been blessed with, that I make and trust that I can uh, make the right decisions, uh, um, you know, it's always, God's always uh, at my side, I don't think, I don't think I do this alone.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess you must be missing Eucharistic adoration
2: oh yeah I, absolutely it's uh it's something that, uh, that I think everybody in the commu- our community is missing
0: mm-hmm. absolutely the Eucharist um that doesn't mean that Christ is not present he's still present even though it might be harder to uh, to see him Absolutely. Um, yeah Greg well thank you for for sharing a little bit of what you do with us today um it's certainly given me a little reassurance that (laughs) the paramedics know what they're doing because they're under your care Um, and uh, i hope it does the same for our viewers
2: well i'm glad to have had this opportunity and uh, i hope that we can all get through this safely and there will be an end in sight yes thank you greg take care you're welcome
0: that was a conversation I had with Greg Bruce, who is an infection control professional for the paramedic services of the County of Simcoe, which is just north of Toronto. To listen to this conversation again, or for the rest of the Saltonite Hour, or to watch them as part of our series, Hope From Home, go to saltandlighttv.org. Here now is my conversation with Father Ian Duffy, who was sick with COVID-19. Father Ian Duffy is so good to have you with us today. Welcome.
3: Good to be here, thank you very much.
0: So you, you've been sick the last uh, couple of weeks, tell us about that.
3: Well, um, shortly before the, uh, the whole shutdown of the province started, uh, I started not to feel overly well uh-huh. and uh, I guess it was the, uh, it would have been the Sunday maybe, um, remember the Sunday when uh, I think the Diocese of Toronto had already cancelled masses but uh, the Diocese of Hamilton was limiting what we were doing. Right. Uh, that Sunday really wasn't feeling great. And in the afternoon, I got a call from uh, Public Health saying that I had come into contact with someone who had tested positive for the coronavirus. Okay. And uh, told me that I should go and get myself tested.
0: Can, so I, sorry, I, can, I, inter- can I just stop you for a course. second? You, you, you were not feeling well. How did Public Health know that you had been in contact with someone?
3: I guess whoever they, uh, they were talking about had told them the various people that he had been in contact with
0: okay okay So
3: they didn't say who it was or how they knew or anything like that
0: so you went to get tested
3: yep and uh went to the facility here in guelph uh they were absolutely wonderful i i I can't say enough about them they were Mm -hmm. uh professional they were kind i was in and out of there in about five minutes and, okay. Uh, the doctor who had uh, who'd done the test uh, said that I should uh, go home and self isolate,
2: and mm-hmm. so for
3: the next uh, 14 days I was in self isolation here at the rectory.
0: Okay, so you did not have to be hospitalized.
3: No, uh, thank God, it, it never got that bad. There were about uh, there was about a three day period where I got really really sick, and the way I explained it to a friend of mine was. It almost felt like having a nasty, nasty flu, pneumonia, and mono all at the same time. Oh, wow. Um, and a, for, a, for a short part of that, I was sort of thinking, oh, maybe it's about time to, to go to the hospital. And actually, uh, the nurse from public health, uh, again, who was just tremendous, she called mm-hmm. a, a couple of times through the, uh, the, the time that I was in isolation just to check up on me. Mm-hmm. and uh, she said oh, do you think we should send an ambulance and I said well not yet and thank God it, it never got bad enough to be hospitalized
0: and now you're a you're a pastor you're the pastor at the Basilica of Our of Our Lady Immaculate in Guelph that's right um, uh, are you there by yourself or do you have an associate? Uh, uh, we doctor? have an honorary
3: assistant and uh, he is one of the the priests who is a former Anglican priest and so okay. is married so he was actually uh, sort of in a self-imposed quarantine even before that because his wife's uh, immune system is quite compromised. Okay. So he uh, he just felt that there was no way he could be out. So uh, it was pretty much me, yep.
0: So you were completely by yourself, no one to take care of you. You couldn't go out. I guess you relied on, a lot on uh, friends, parishioners. Yeah, I, I
3: have a couple of uh, very good friends right in the area. And so they were just tremendous in, uh, in you know, dropping off food, uh, calling just to to check up and see that i was doing okay. Uh, Really, really good people. And then uh, there wasn't a day went by that I didn't have a uh, uh, an email or a text message or something like that from uh, one of my parishioners uh, just asking how I was doing and asking if I needed anything. So they they were wonderful.
0: Right. Um, Did you ever feel because I mean, this is what you hear in the news, and and but I, I I don't know how different the symptoms you know vary depending on on who has them, but that you couldn't breathe. That I, no, I guess, you know, no,
3: again, thank God, I never got quite that bad. Um, there uh, there was a, a fair time that the the cough was really really bad, and so you know mm-hmm. I, I might have trouble breathing if uh, if I was coughing a lot, but no, I never uh, my symptoms never got to the can't breathe. Yeah.
0: And I guess you would have had to then notify public health as to who the people that you had been in contact with.
3: Yep. Yep.
0: Wow. Wow. Um, have you, uh, transitioned, I imagine like most, uh, pastors to doing, uh, liturgies online?
3: Yeah, we have. And so uh, it it was an, uh, a real learning curve for me, Deacon Pedro, because, uh, you are probably talking to one of the most technologically illiterate people on the face of the earth. Um, Thank God I've had two uh, just tremendous people in the parish, Um, my music director for one and a a young lady from our choir in CWL who, uh, you know, just offered their services. So we've been able to uh, to get our Sunday masses up onto YouTube and uh, Mm. Facebook and then uh, usually do a little message a couple times a week that's posted on Facebook, anything special. Right. Like and then uh, another lady who uh, is in charge of our uh, our parish website has also been tremendous in just uh, getting anything at all. I'll email her a message and she'll get it posted on to uh, yeah. our website.
0: So I guess what would be your advice? A lot of people are watching, a lot of people are, you know, not sure what they're hearing in the news what to believe what not to believe you've been sick with the virus what is your uh advice for people who question maybe the idea of self-isolation or social distancing
3: i personally agree with uh what we've been advised completely yeah um I, i know i it's actually i found it very disturbing sometimes when i'd be reading some of the you know the posts on on facebook or different places that uh you know, sort of trying to accuse the government of some socialist lockdown of the country. Right. They're, they're all about denying our human rights. And even more uh, distressing, I find, uh, Deacon Pedro, is uh, when I read the, the various Catholic things where you have people accusing our bishops of the you know just heinous crimes against the church right. for locking down our churches. You know, yeah. I think both the government and the bishops in this case are really just doing what's necessary to to try to save lives mm-hmm. um i i saw a post the other day that i, I, I just shook my head at because it said uh, you know uh, loss of rights and lockdown down the country for only you know two thousand and some deaths or whatever it was right and i thought uh, what part of this don't you get it's because yeah. we have you know given up some of our rights it's because we've uh, you know most canadians have, have embrace the idea of yeah we have to stay at home we have to keep distance that we only have two thousand deaths exactly. that's certainly the way i look at it
0: exactly well i know it's difficult for for a lot of us uh, i can't say it's been as difficult for me as it has been for you but i'm glad that you're all better now and that uh the ministry continues that you've learned some new skills
3: yeah and i mean you know uh, one of the things i looking back on it where god's been really good is that even when I was the sickest, I was still able to say mass on that day. Yes. So I, I just set up a little altar right here in the uh, in the rectory. Um, I may have fudged a rubric or two because I, the one day I did celebrate most of the mass sitting down. The, right, didn't have the strength to stand. Yes, but uh, for me that was very important because that was my way of still being my people's pastor, even if. I couldn't be with them.
0: Yes, that's that's good to know. And I know just as you are, all the pastors, priests around the world are doing the same. So yeah, thank exactly. you for sharing your story with us today. I'm glad, like I said, that you're better and uh, it's good to, good to see you.
3: Thank you very much. Good to see you too. God bless you all. Thank you. Take care now, bye-bye.
0: That was a conversation I had with Father Ian Duffy, pastor of the Basilica of Mary Immaculate in Guelph, Ontario. And that will bring us to the end of the program today. All these interviews were done as part of the Salt and Light Media TV series, Hope from Home. You can watch that series at saltonlighttvorg slash hopefromhome. You can also learn all about the work of Salt and Light Media at that same website, saltonlighttv.org, And that's also where you can listen to all our Salt and Light Hour programs. To comment on anything that you hear on this program or to find me to just say hello, I'm on social media. Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, just look for Deacon Pedro. You can also find me the good old-fashioned way, Pedro at Light tv.org It's really easy. We hope that you are all keeping well and staying safe, and that these conversations today brought you hope and reminded you that even though we may be stuck at home, we are all still connected through Christ and through hope. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been a special COVID spring edition of the Salt and Light Hour.